0: Hi there, this is Sam Musgrave, pastor over college and young adult ministry at Trinity Community Church. This podcast is a collection of the sermons from our gatherings. I'm so grateful you've joined us for our study through the doctrine of repentance. My prayer is that you will grow in knowledge and love for King Jesus, or maybe come to faith in him for the very first time. Join me now for this sermon on the doctrine of repentance. For those of you that don't know we are traveling through a summer-long series on the doctrine of repentance. And I've talked with a few of you who either are new to this group or new to Christianity altogether. And I just want to encourage you that if any of this is flying over your heads, that's okay. That's okay. It's actually led to really incredible conversations. If you've got more questions than we're able to hash out at discussion time after the teaching, go out. Go out with some friends around you and go get a coffee and ask them about it. Uh, Explore it further. Although I'm not going to try and unnecessarily complicate matters. The doctrine of repentance, repentance, the word repentance basically means this, to turn from your life of self-indulgence to God, to turn from self-love to love for God, to turn from your sin to Christ. In Hebrew, the word is shuv. it's to turn, literally turn. If you're giving someone directions to your house, you would use the word you shuv left and on this street and shuv right on this street. It's to turn. And in Greek, it's metanoia. It's, it's to have a change of mind. It's your whole worldview, your whole thought process is turned upside down, right side up rather, so that you have a reality as your framework of understanding. A God word, God centered, Christ exalting reality. To repent is to turn from sin to God. Tonight, we're going to talk about counterfeit repentance. Counterfeit repentance. Now, you might ask yourself, why in the world are we spending time, or wasting time for that matter, on counterfeit repentance? Uh, Shouldn't we just study the genuine article? Yes. The problem is, is that there are at least three major areas that people think. They're repenting and are not. So we need to expose those. We need to put those under the light. And let those be seen for what they are. And I am certain. That our discussion time together. After the teaching. You guys are going to be talking about. Holy smokes. There have been a lot of things that I've been doing. That I've been thinking are repentance And are not at all. So. I want to ask you something before we get into the counterfeit repentance part. I want to ask you what these next few scriptures have in common. We'll discuss just a little bit. okay? what do these next verses have in common? Try to identify what each of these texts I'm about to read have in common. Acts 11. Well, then. God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. God has granted to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Romans 2. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? 2 Timothy 2. Now, Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels and the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all able to teach patient when wronged with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Here it is. If perhaps God may give them repentance. Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works so that no one may boast. Okay, I just read four scriptures to you. Did anyone connect any sort of link in there? I know one was particularly long, but I tried to emphasize a little bit what they had in common. Did anyone catch it? Jordan, you may as well go out with a bang, man. Good! Good! I knew that I liked having Jordan here. You're making it more bitter that you're leaving. Repentance is a gift from God. Repentance is grace from God. If you're repenting, you've received grace from God. If you're not repenting, you've not received grace from God. God grants repentance. God leads to repentance by His kindness. God gives the gift of faith by grace. God may give them repentance. These are the phrases that are in common there. That is so important. I want you guys to think about that as you go and discuss afterwards. God gives repentance. God may give repentance to someone. Has God given you repentance? Real repentance. Not fake repentance. There are a whole bunch of world religions out there and they're all the same. Putting confidence in the works of And the religion of man. There is only one gospel. There's only one good news. Whereby God only works and gives the sinner his gift of salvation. Of repentance from sin to God. Now, St. Augustine lived a long time ago. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He lived in the three and 400s A.D. And he spoke of a false repentance, which, quote, damns many. That, I do not want those words written on my name. Damned by a false repentance? It's one thing to outright reject the gospel knowingly. It is altogether another bitter issue to find yourself in hell, in damnation, in condemnation, and have thought that you were getting it right. That is a terrifying notion. I will see to it that I do everything I possibly can as a human to make sure that is not your reality. But only you can repent. I can't repent for you. No one in this room can repent for you. You must repent. So beware of these satanic substitutes for God's grace. And we're undoubtedly believing some of these. We're undoubtedly practicing some of these and not knowing it watch this for a second Hebrews 12 verses 14 to 17 pursue peace with all men and the sanctification that is progressively being made holy being made like Christ being devoted to God in greater and greater measures of love to God and obedience that's what holiness is sanctification without which no one will see the Lord If you're not being sanctified, if you're not becoming more like Christ, if you're not loving him more and hating sin more, you won't see the Lord. That's a terrifying indictment. You won't see him forever. You won't see him seem to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That's that's why we teach here. Guys, listen, it's you understand what a miracle it is that this group has been growing numerically. I mean, we preach it about as hard as we possibly can. We're not holding any punches. We're saying exactly what the Word of God says. It's it's funny. It's like people want to come and get beat up with the Word of God because they know that the grace of God comes through that. There's something beautiful about getting bruised with the Word of God because then comes the balm of Gilead. Then comes the grace of the gospel. When I'm getting marbled in my sin. It's just breaking the skin for God's grace to seep into my heart. And, and I need that. You need that. We need to be cut, cut to the heart every time we hear God's word. And so I have to see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and by it many be defiled. By the way, that comes from the Old Testament and it's referring to someone who who is basically living in sin and saying to people around them that their sin isn't sin and that infects the whole group that green, that cancer infects a ministry if it goes unnoticed if it goes unconfronted we're to cut out roots of bitterness knock it off we say we call one another to repentance individually And also that there be no sexually immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. I want you to think about that. It's very strange. Sexually immoral. Godless. Like Esau? Who sold his inheritance for a bowl of stew? It's hardly sexual. Do you get the point? What drives people to sexual immorality? Sensuality. Just wanting to please your senses. Just wanting to do what feels good. What smells good, looks good, tastes good, sounds good. Which one did I leave out? Whichever. Five senses, okay? Sensuality. What was Esau doing? He was doing the same thing that anyone does when they're engaged in sexual immorality. He was just pleasing his senses. I've got a hungry stomach. The stew smells good. It looks good. I want it. It's the same basic thing that drives people to sexual immorality. A single meal, he gave it all away. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he got his belly full, and he came to his senses, and he thought, oh no, I want what I gave up. He was rejected. For he found No place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. Again, absolutely alarming, isn't it? Have you been postponing repentance? Are you running the danger of Esau of finding no place for repentance? and coming to the place when you finally seek it with tears and God says I'm sorry, you waited too long it's not coming I'm not giving it now is the day of salvation today is the day of favor repent, turn Christ has come to me all who are weary and heavy laden come to me and I will in no wise cast out, come now come now Matthew 3 Now, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, listen carefully, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is a moment-by-moment, second-by-second, day-by-day lifestyle. It is what we don't stop doing. We're constantly turning from sin to Christ. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Because our heart is prone to wonder. Our eyes are gravitationally pulled to uh, uh, delight the senses. Whatever comes into our mind and Whatever desire arises in our body, we want to please that. But that's how we lived outside of Christ. Now we have a new man that keeps turning. Oh, I hate sin. It's such a burden. Christ is life. Christ is food. Christ is drink. Christ is joy. That's what the new creature says. That's how you know that you're a new creature is repentance is your life. It's it's your oxygen. It's your breath. It's It's your cry. And do not suppose, John continues, that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father, relying in religion and and heritage. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. God can make children of Abraham from rocks. And the ax is already laid at the root of the trees. It's right there. You want to risk this? Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into a barn and. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Speaking of Christ. Gentle and lowly Christ. He's pure. He baptizes, he submerges people into God. That's what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He, He puts people into God by his death and resurrection. My friends, have you been born again? Have you died with Christ and been brought to new life? newness of life did, did you die with Christ and only Christ came out and the life you now live you live by faith in the son of God who gave himself up for you who loved you it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and I know that because the things I once did with reckless abandon and without conscience I can no longer do with my whole heart there's always something in my sin that's pulling me back now Grieving me over it. I no longer live here. It's the king who set up his government in me. And he will not forsake me. To my sin. Three things. Three counterfeit repentances. Number one. You could be a terrified sinner. You can be a terrified sinner. And not repentant. God has arrested many men and women and children with a sudden sense of alarm over their guilt. They've been filled with fear over their sin, even anguish over it. Is this you? But after a while, their conscience goes silent. don't mistake a rush of emotion as repentance you could be absolutely terrified of hell and not repentant i remember hearing growing up oh i was i was saved because i was so afraid of hell and asked jesus into my heart no one's ever been saved into glory no one's, no one's ever been saved into new birth i'm sorry no, no one's ever been scared into glory or scared into new birth everyone that's saved has been saved into (laughs) I'm busy Ahab from the Old Testament the most vile king in Israel was tormented over his sin Judas was so distraught he committed suicide Do not think that dread over your sin is repentance. The Holy Spirit convicts every single person on the planet of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit of God is in every single person on the planet, not just believers. And he's convicting them over what sin is. That is, he's convincing them what sin is, what righteousness is, and that judgment is coming. Every person on the planet, they're pushing the truth down. You might be pushing the truth down this evening. And the Holy Spirit is just bugging you. And you've not repented. The sensation of guilt, of course it produces terror. The gift of grace produces repentance. Terrified is not... Repentant. Who's more tormented and frightened about sin than souls who currently are in hell? Are they not more terrified than the most terrified person alive? But none of them will repent. They can't repent. Terror is not repentance. You could be a terrified sinner and not repentant. Number two, you could be a religious sinner and not repentant. Billions of people on the planet pray. Billions. Billions make commitments, make vows, make resolutions even. Uh, You remember the nation Israel vowed, I will not serve gods. That is other gods in jeremiah 2 20 yet god says to israel you have lain down as a harlot you've been a spiritual whore you've been unfaithful to me habitually as a way of life many promises are made on a deathbed if god would just heal me If you would just heal me from this sickness, from this disease, I'll recover and I'll run after righteousness. And they get better and run after sin like they did before. False repenters will frequently resolve against their sin because sin is painful to them. It destroys them, their health, their psyche, their relationships, their their wallets. It hurts every part of their life. But they never repent because sin is sinful. They might rid themselves of a sin here and there because they're painful or inconvenient or destructive. But that's not repentance. False repenters will quickly vow to stop a certain sin because they fear a future consequence, even death, even hell. But that's not repentance. You see, love of self will make vows in a big raging storm. But love of sin will break each of those vows when the storm calms. Third, you can be a selective sinner and not repentant. A selective sinner and not repentant. Micah 6 says, That we would rather part with a child, with our own child, than with the sin we love most. Yet it is possible to leave a sin without really repenting of it. How is that? What good is it to stop some sins just to keep others? Have you ever noticed this? This is a tricky one. We, we, we feel self-assured. We feel accomplished. We feel spiritual. That I've parted ways with a couple sins that have a less strong grip on my heart, but I'm really cherishing these other ones over here. As long as I can part ways with some of them and keep the ones I really love. Oh, I've really grown. This isn't repentance. King Herod famously wicked king made tons of reforms but he refused to surrender his incest was Judas repentant when he forfeited his silver he ran back in he was crying he threw the silver into the temple he said I've shed innocent blood but his soul had no change of mind no change of heart no change of will no repentance just regret no spirit just emotions second corinthians 7 clearly separates worldly grief from godly grief which believes repentance to salvation and we'll close with our time reading that judas did renounce the bribe he took as a false witness against Jesus. But it was only to save himself. It wasn't to save Jesus. Matthew is clear that Judas panicked as Jesus was condemned. That's what signaled his fear. Now, a false witness, he would suffer the same consequence as Jesus if anyone ratted him out. That was the penalty for bearing false witness you suffered the same consequence the person you lied about suffered more importantly the betrayer did not renounce the sinfulness of his sinful heart and run to the savior instead he ran away and sought to atone for his own sins by killing himself and so you can leave sins And not repent. Don't exchange one sin for another and call that repentance. A spender, a really lavish spender in their youth, might become extremely stingy in old age. They've not repented. They love money all the same. The addict didn't repent when he traded his substance abuse for other obsessive-compulsive behaviors. Alcoholics and workaholics and exerciseaholics are all holics (laughs) in bondage to the harsh slave master of sin. If you've not repented, you've not repented, if you've left sin to save your health or your marriage or your finances or your reputation, that's not repentance. As only light dispels the night, only grace, the great love of God in Christ, can banish sin from the heart. Can flood sin out of the heart to true repentance. And folks, I would not get up here and say these things with such conviction if I have not found them to be absolutely, substantially, unmistakably, irrefutably... The reality in my life. I've seen this. There once was a time when I would have read this and I wouldn't quite know what it was saying. I'd go, I understand what the words mean, but uh, it's describing repentance as something that's very alien to me. No longer. I know that I'm a new creature, I know that this is the truth. It's true. This is what new birth brings in the soul. That's so what I'm telling you, if this sounds foreign to you, if you are just... It's one thing to be confused. It's one thing to say, wow, this is really deep. Okay, that's fine. It's another thing to go, that is absolutely not my experience. Do you know what the response is to that from Christ? Repent. Repent. Turn to him. I close with 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 7, 13. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has a sanctuary of God with idols. For we are a sanctuary of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. Come out from the world and be separate. God says, come out from the world and be separate. Do not call yourself a Christian who's just a worldly Christian. No, there is no such thing. Come out and be separate, my people. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. <coughs> Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Here we go. Though I caused you sorrow by my letter, Paul writes to the Corinthians. Though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while, I now rejoice. Not that You were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to repentance. For you were made to have godly sorrow, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For godly sorrow produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world, these fake repentances bring about death. For behold, look what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has brought about in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what Fear, what longing what zeal what avenging of wrong in everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter so although i wrote to you it was not for the sake of the offender nor for the sake of the one offended but that your earnestness on your behalf might be manifested to you in the sight of God for this reason we have been comforted he said do you understand why i confront sin listen young man young woman do you understand i i i I don't want to get up here and say hard things. I don't want to get up here and look at a bunch of blank stares. That does absolutely nothing for my ego. At all. I don't want you to dislike me. I don't want you to dislike being here. But I am a man under obligation. I must tell you the truth. You are sinners. I am a sinner i sin because I'm a sinner. We sin because we're sinners. And you need to hear the truth of God. Oppose you in your sin so that you might see yourself and feel yourself to be a sinner and fly to the only Savior who comes to save sinners from their sins. That's all that Jesus does. Jesus does not delight. He is unwilling that you remain in your sin and perish. He's not stingy. He's not withholding. You come saying, I am a sinner. I'm sinful through and through. Every intention of my heart has the smoke of sin in it. Has the stench of flesh in it. Has the remnants of selfishness in it. And I need to be cured. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm shocked. It's like a soldier. A soldier from the battlefield. He comes into the medical tent. What does he do? I've been shot here. I've been lanced here. I've been cut here. I think I've got an infection in my ankle from a barbed wire fence. I am messed up. Here they are. You need to see all of them. We need to get medicine and all of this. That's what the real sinner, that's what the real repentant sinner does. The The real repentant sinner does not say, oh yeah, I've got a gash in my back, but I don't want him to see that. That's just embarrassing. I don't like the way my back looks. I don't want him to take my shirt off to expose the wound. No, that's insane, you guys. That's insane. Come, reveal I am a sinner. I am a self lover. I am a false God lover. I am an idolater. I need you to save me from my sins. I refuse to just be saved in my sins. Stop looking at Jesus as the forgiver see Him as the Savior. He rescues from sins. Have you been rescued from your sins? Or are you crafting a fake Jesus who's perfectly fine with you wallowing in the muck and mire of your flesh? Because that's a false Jesus. That's a false God. So I say to you, repent. And believe the good news that you can't do nothing. The good news that you bring nothing to the table of salvation except your sin. And that Christ brings everything. So we sang today, nothing in our hands we bring except the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious King. Father, we ask that You would minister to us now as we sing, bring faith, give us the gift, the grace of faith, and by Your kindness, lead us to repentance, and give us eyes to affectionately look on Christ and to sing His name as the Savior of sinners, because we know that King Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of of whom we are chief foremost. Oh, God, bring your cleansing power by your Holy Spirit for Christ's sake and our eternal benefit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 p.m. For up-to-date information, follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. And if you're interested in a great Bible college here in the area, check out calchristiancollege.edu. Tune in next Tuesday for the next episode in our series. Until he returns, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you.